would be to see you all here today. I hope, like you and I, this week we've enjoyed the, the sunshine, the feeling that spring has somehow been missed out this year. We've just gone straight to summer. It did feel that way, didn't it, for a few days this week. And I was drawn, when I was thinking about this morning, to, to some of the scriptures that, that I enjoy. And, and, and one of the psalms struck out to me, particularly as it was the, the reading for today, and I, I thought we'll start by just thinking together about this psalm. Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands from the east and west and north and south, soon wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and for his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labour and they stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom. He broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Others went out in the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted up the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. And they were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. He turned rivers into a desert, flowing springs into a thirsty ground, fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wicked who lived there. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live and they founded a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards. They yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them and their numbers greatly increased and he did not let their hearts diminish. Then their numbers decreased and they were humbled by oppression, calamity and sorrow. 
He who pours contempt on nobles made them wander in a trackless waste. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. And it struck me that wherever we find ourselves in life, as that psalm takes us back through history, through people, how God had worked through the good, through the bad, to bring them to him when they called on him. That we can sit and worship and and rejoice with our God, that he is faithful to us, that he is filled and longing with joy to see and welcome and bring us to him through all the things that happen in our lives. And it captures some of the some of the, the thoughts of the psalm and and the, and the things we're going to think about today. And, and it it struck me that the brightness of the week we've had with the sunshine, how that lifts us from the the gloom of winter time and and, and cheers the very soul. Hymn 103. My God, I thank thee, who has made the earth so bright, so full of purity and joy and wondrous light. So many glorious things are here, divinely bright. You promise us that you will, whatever our sorrows, whatever our problems, you will come in due course and and bless us. So, Father, we pray you'll be near to us this morning as we think about you and your hope for us as we share time together. That you'll be with those who can't be with us, that you will also strengthen their faith and their resolve to love and serve you. And that you will send our Lord Jesus back soon. Amen. Well, this morning, as the screen might have given away, we're going to think about one of the Lord's parables um, from Matthew chapter 25. And um, Miranda is going to come and read that for us, please. Matthew chapter 25 and um, verses 31 to 46. Matthew 25, reading at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. And I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't look after me. And they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and didn't help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment and the righteous to eternal life. So there was a parable this morning for us to think about for a couple of minutes about Jesus as a shepherd separating out sheep and goats. Sounds quite straightforward, doesn't it? Do you think we all know the difference between a sheep and a goat? Could you... Could you have a go, do you think, uh, recognise a sheep? Do you, do you feel confident this morning you, you would know what a sheep was and what a goat was? Right, well, we're, we're going to have a quiz for a few minutes. So you've got to shout out, is that a goat or a sheep? I think that's a goat. Well, that, that one's a goat. Goat or a sheep? Mm-hmm. That one's a sheep. <laughs> sheep, yeah, that one's called Franny. That one's a sheep. <laughs> There's another one. Well, oh, somebody knows, and it was—it was a goat, mm, a woolly goat. It's <laughs> a, a trick one. <laughs> That's a baby alpaca. <laughs> so you were all wrong anyway. <laughs> we got a sheep or a goat? Sheep. sheep, sheep. Yeah, that was an easy one for you. That was a sheep. Now then, sheep. Sheep. Yeah. Now there's a trickier one. We're going for goat on that one or a sheep? Goat. Yeah. Was a goat? That was a little sheep. That one's a sheep, yeah. <laughs> sheep or a goat, what do we think? <laughs> it's a, fa- a fairy pig, yeah, it is. Human hand, yeah, a human hand feeding a little goat. A little goat. Oh, yeah, I see. So sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. So that was your first job of, of being a shepherd to decide that this morning, whether, whether you could do it or not. And I, I, that, some might have got it all right, but I, I don't think everybody's passed the shepherd test this morning to know the difference between a sheep and a goat. So it's not always as easy as we think it might be. So until we can tell the difference, I, I can't really let you out into the field to have a go at, at being shepherds yet. You do need to have a bit more practice. So apart from maybe failing our first test as a shepherd, what have we learnt? I mean, it's not always easy, easy to tell the difference between a sheep and a goat. So there are a few differences that we can, we can help to kind of spot the difference. Sheep have got fleece. And, and goats have hair. Sheep talk a bit differently to goats. Sheep, sheep say bar and goats say ma. 
It's an entirely different language. Yeah. <laughs> um, goats are supposed to be quite a bit smarter than sheep. Sheep are much more skittish than goats. The instinct of a sheep is to flee. The instinct of a goat is to headbutt you. <laughs> goats have tails which stick up into the air and get excited and wag and a sheep's tail always remains down. So if you're, if you're, once you've passed your training as a shepherd, it's really obvious to know as a shepherd what's a sheep and what's a goat. You can tell. You can see the character of the animal. You can see what the animal does and how it behaves. It's a really obvious thing for a trained shepherd to know the difference. And so we're going to explore that a little bit with the older ones this morning about what the lessons might be from that. But before the, the kids go off to youth church, there's a great lesson we can learn from the parable about, about Jesus, because Jesus is the shepherd here. And Jesus tells us that those who follow Jesus and, and do the things that Jesus asks us to do are his sheep, and he's our shepherd. And he sees us really easily as sheep. It's really easy for Jesus to see us as his sheep, as we do the things that he asks, and we try and follow what Jesus wants. And we can look forward to the time when Jesus comes back in person and welcomes us and gives us the blessings that he promises. And we can be full of confidence that Jesus sees us as sheep. And we can look forward to him coming back and being the great shepherd. So, the kids, you can all go off to youth church. Thank you for joining in the quiz this morning. (laughs) One thing that struck me over recent years as I've sort of engaged with the kids at school and seen some of the new things they they talk about and the way they they approach education is the nobody talks about failure anymore there's there's a much greater emphasis on having a growth mindset so if a child says oh I can't do it then the emphasis is supposed to be actually you 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 haven't achieved it yet you know, this is, there, is, there is some way to go. You can, you can do it, you just haven't done it yet. And so the, the emphasis on having a, having a positive mindset and, and avoiding the kind of failure and success contrast. And yet it struck me as we were sort of reading that parable that the Bible does talk quite often in very stark black and white terms of failure and success about God's judgments. And that, that reading and the sort of parable of the sheep and the goats seems to clearly talk to us about, about a judgment day that's going to come where there will be a separation. A separation between two animals that could have had the same shepherd, that outwardly could look very similar, but in reality live very differently. And so it got me thinking as I was reading that passage, what... What, what's the basis that Jesus is using for, for somebody being a sheep and somebody being a goat? What's the basis of, of the separation that, that, he, that he uses? You know, what is it we've got to think about? So let's have our Bibles open and have a look at Matthew 25 and verse 34. Uh, verse 35. Well, the king, the king will say to those in verse 34, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat or you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink, or you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in, or 
you didn't welcome me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me, but you didn't clothe me. I was sick and you looked after me, or you didn't look after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me, or did not visit me. And it seems really eternally important to kind of get the gist of what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is, I don't think about talking about being kind to people in general in order to ensure our salvation, because we all agree that the Bible doesn't teach that we're saved by just doing good stuff. However, I think we have to understand that there are, there are maybe different sorts of things that we do. We could say there are two types of things we do. There are, there are good works, there's good things that we do, and we're, we're not necessarily saved by it, well, we aren't saved by just doing good things. And maybe there are those works, those things that we do that just come from faith. We might call them works of the kingdom. They're forgiving, showing mercy, being gracious, being obedient, praying. Those things might be things we do which come from us naturally, spiritually, as we, as we try and do. And those will all be some, not a requirement for salvation, but become part of how we live and act as part of our calling, as part of our, our desire to, to serve Jesus. And we, I mean, we read our Bibles that the Bible teaches if we have really trusted in the Lord Jesus, that does make a difference to how we think, how we live, or at least we try and make it make a difference. So we, whilst we know on one hand salvation is a gift of God and it's by his grace, on the other hand we know there's still some obedience needed from us. So those who obey are, are sheep and those who are, are goats, it seems. So is there a bit more to it than that from this parable? Something that struck me, now I must have read this so many times, and maybe you've all read this and know this, so you know, I apologise if this is a repeating of things that you, you've struck me years and years and years ago. But this seems to me very specifically talking about what we do for Jesus. Jesus is talking very specifically about what we've done for him how we have treated him. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. I needed clothes. I was sick. I was in prison. That word I had never really jumped out at me before, I don't think. So the determining factor that Jesus seems to be telling us he's going to use in, in judgment is how we've treated and responded to Jesus himself. And, and the key is that little sentence that Jesus puts at the end of, of sort of both his verdicts. Verse 40, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And then... Verse 45, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So, well, how, how do we do those things for Jesus? How do we, how do we feed Jesus? How, how do we take Jesus out of prison? How do we, how do we visit Jesus when he's sick? How, what, what is this, what's going on here? 
What does this really mean for us? It also struck me that I, I don't think Jesus is necessarily talking to us about the poor or the hungry or the strangers in the world, about people who just live around us. Because Jesus says that you did it to these brothers of mine. There's a, there's a, I don't think that's a throwaway word that Jesus puts into this for us to think about. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have care or show sympathy or, or look after people who might live around who, who aren't Christians, who aren't believers. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. But there is some emphasis that Jesus seems to be putting about, actually, these, these things seem to be about those who Jesus counts as brothers and sisters. Um, and we've got earlier on in Matthew, Jesus says, well, you know, who are my brothers and sisters? While he was talking to the crowd, his mothers and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone said to him, your mothers and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So whoever does the will of God is somebody who Jesus classes as his brother, as his sister, as his mother. So I, I think when we, when we look at these passages in Matthew, we can see, that I think, Jesus is talking about his people, his own family. And I think it's also really telling us, when we read the Gospels, they emphasise the way in which the suffering the difficulties of others, really move Jesus. Jesus is really moved with compassion for people. When, and I think that comes across in this, in this parable. When any disciple suffers from hunger or thirst or nakedness or hardship, I think this parable is telling us that Jesus himself He's hungry, he's thirsty. He shares those pangs of suffering of his believers, of his disciples. When the disciple is sick, Jesus also feels that suffering. When persecution or imprisonment falls, Jesus also shares in that affliction. Um, as I've looked at the word compassion, I, I've only found it ever used in relation to how God or the Lord Jesus feel about individuals, feel about others. I don't see the word compassion used by in regard to anybody else, about anybody else. If he had compassion on them, if that word, that phrase is used, he had compassion on them, it's only a characteristic that's described of God, of, of Jesus. They are the people in the Bible who are filled with compassion towards individuals and I think there's a lot of comfort there that, that, that Jesus this, this Lord that is going to come in glory not only shares the burdens the yoke of his, of his followers but also in the day of his kingdom he delights to acknowledge them as his brothers whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine you did for me now, we didn't read the rest of Matthew chapter 25, but we've got a, a sort of series of, of similar 
parables. In in Matthew 25, verse 23, this is at the parable of the talents, and, and, and Jesus, the master, replies, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. And I think we're getting a real picture of how Jesus will treat us, will speak to us when he returns. I I look at these as very real pictures for us to take hold of and to get some comfort and some confidence from. It's not the Lord coming back and and taking hold of us and saying, I I know you're fearful. I, I know you're worried about this or you've got in the back of your mind you did this wrong once or you said that or you did the other. It's not even the Lord coming back and saying, I can see you're so happy to see me. I can see that you know you're pleased about this or you, you want this to happen. It's the other way around. It, it, it's the Lord saying, I'm the one that's happy. I'm the one that suffered with you whilst you suffered. I'm the one that shared in the afflictions of all my brothers and sisters. Now I want you to come and share in my joy. This is, this is my joy I'm bringing you to share with. That's what the parable of talents tells us. This is Jesus saying, come and share in my joy, my happiness. And together these parables give us a real sense of comfort about, about the future and about the return of, of our Lord. It's given us to share in the Lord's happiness in the same way that those sort of unthinking acts that we do for each other, the way we live in an unthinking Christian way brings love and joy and and the the gospel to others. We, We let others share in our joy, unwittingly perhaps at times. That, that Jesus went through these things to fulfil the joy of the Father, to make that all fulfilled in him so that we could share in the joy with them. And you know, most of the time, I suspect when we think about are we a sheep or are we a goat, we have in our mind that we're maybe at times some weird hybrid animal. You know? We like to see a bit of the sheep in us, but sometimes there's a bit of the goat there as well. But we can have so much confidence that our Lord only sees us as sheep. He is full of joy to share his grace with us. Jesus went to the cross so that his joy Four us will be fulfilled when he returned to be the good shepherd, to heal the wounds, to heal the brokenhearted, to lift up the, the worn out knees and backs, to bring again those dead who sleep. And so we're going to share bread and wine in confidence with assurance that, that one day soon we will do this with our master and David's going to give thanks for the bread please Heavenly Father it is uh, such a privilege uh, and a real joy 
to meet together in this way to share with our brothers and sisters everything that, that we do share in, in fellowship with with you and with your son and we think now of everything that you have done for us and everything that he did for us and especially that he gave his life that we might live and so we're able to remember that in, in sharing bread we thank you for the bread and we ask that you will bless it and you'll bless us as we pass it round and share it together because it means so much to us and so we thank you and we ask for your blessing and we ask that you'll hear us in Jesus name Amen This God who watches worlds and searches out sheep and gathers goats sees my heart this careful calculator counting countless millions counts me in. This artist whose canvas outstretches eternity at both ends, whose palette outcolors planets, paints my portrait. This lover who dreams in universes dreams of me. This creator whose breath of vision spans time and spawns a cosmos. Whose woven tapestry of purpose, more compound than chaos, eclipsing complexity, rolls out like a highway through history. Whose heartbeat deafens supernovas. This father kisses me. This playwright playing with the deaths and entrances of stars, scripting the end from the beginning, knowing the purpose of the play, watches my feeble audition and writes me in. God of love, thank you for this very visual, very visceral symbol of your counting us in this wine that we share together because it reminds me that I know that if I was the only person on earth you still would have sent Jesus to show me who you are and how much you love me and Jesus I know that if I was the only person on earth you still would have chosen to die for me And I know that if I was the only person on earth, I'd have been the one killing you. And yet I also know that if I was the only person on earth, you still would have risen again. And you and our Father still would have forgiven me and invited me to share in your celebration banquet. So, Father, I pray that you will help us to be inspired by sharing this wine together to look forward to 
and enjoy the foretaste of the new wine that you promise in your future kingdom and available now if we live kingdom-focused, kingdom-based, kingdom-driven lives. Lord God, fill us with your spirit in the same way that blood fills our arteries and veins, remembering that blood that was spilled to demonstrate your love. Let us, in the same way, bleed flavours of the kingdom when we get cut and broken to show others how wonderful you are able to be. Lord, thank you for this wine. I thought we'd sing together. To him I used to sing, actually, to the, the children as they went to sleep with they were babies. Not the second verse, but the th- first and third verse I used to to sing them off to sleep to. But it seems to fit very nicely with our thoughts for this morning. Loving shepherd of thy sheep, keep thy lambs in safety keep. Nothing can thy power withstand, none can pluck them from thine hand. It's interesting to observe their behaviour and character. One of the main things that strike me, literally, each day, is that goats talk to each other a lot. They're warning each other, they're reassuring each other, they're making happy noises. But they also love to headbutt. That's how they say hello. As we walk in, they will come and headbutt our legs every morning. And you've got to dance out of the way, otherwise you end up with legs covered in bruises. They tell you they're annoyed by headbutting you. They show you they're excited by headbutting you. Everything they do has got a headbutt in it somewhere. It's just what they do for fun. They love to come head to head, really hard. They love to do that to each other. And to anybody who will let them, they, they, they love seeing who's the boss goat, who's the strongest goat. And it's Joshua's goat who is the strongest. And, and this week, Joshua's goat, Frank, headbutted their shed that they sleep in at night and have shelter in during the, during the day in such a way that he's managed to separate the walls from the floor. So now the walls just sort of flap out out the side and this is a shed that Mark built so the chances of trying to put that back together are are slim because it wasn't put together that well to start with (laughs) such is the fascination with coming together head to head and headbutting things is destroying the very home that they live in as, as a supposedly you know some intelligence in there somewhere creature it's a really stupid thing to do and, and it's really annoying well now I was thinking about the difference between sheep and goats today I could be pondering as I was trying to shove this shed back together and make it last a bit longer I doubt that headbutting a shed to destruction is the characteristic of a sheep but if this Lord's parable is about how we treat brothers and sisters. There's a, an interesting little thing I thought to think about. Maybe, maybe there are some parallels to think about for our church life. Are, are we the sort of people who like coming together head to head? Is that what gives us some sort of, I don't know, it's about who we are. We, we, just, we just, that's the way we live. Maybe we don't even know that's the way we operate. 
may be that some of the goat characteristics of, of who we are, and, and you know, we, we all have a few of, that we're struggling to, to overcome, you know, and that battle that we've got to kind of live those unthinking acts of a, of a Christian life in, in the way the sheep are described. One of the things I'll often come back to when I'm thinking about, you know, what's the... You've got the unthinking acts of sort of Christians and, and, and the way you're trying to live your life and it just comes naturally sometimes and that's really great when you see that. And then the other things that just come naturally because it's just who you are. And a lot of my formative years were, were in Yorkshire and or with Yorkshire folk. And I would often find, that, well, Mark, Yorkshiremen, speakers are fine. And that talk was whatever. And... Or it might not be the talk, it might have been something entirely different. But Yorkshire folk can have that tendency to, to speak as they find. And there is that line, isn't there, between straight talking, which I always appreciate, and I'm, I'm always a lot closer and more friendly with people who tell it as it is to me, because that's what I'm used to, and, you know, I, I can cope with that generally. Uh, there's a line between that and being rude, being thoughtless being hurtful and, and I think sometimes you know we, that, that can be lost for some characters you know? and we'll all have our own little characteristic that we know that slips out and the goat comes out and escapes from us and we'd like to be back in the, in the sheep costume and be the sheep again but I think it's important to, to sort of think about those characteristics of a sheep the submissive approach of a sheep in a flock within a church is lost to the power of the goat who wants to clash who wants to see who's strongest who wants to see whose opinion is the greater to clash heads over opinions rather than listen to work together to be submissive to find a way forward and there's another powerful lesson I think that comes from in a day's out walking in the countryside and, and seeing sheep in a flock that they don't really have a lot of natural defences in the same way that to the goats do they have to stick together their strength is being a flock they need a shepherd they might need fences to keep out wild animals but sticking together is their strength Supporting, giving comfort each other, to each other, making the comforting sounds to reassure, to warn, to support. And I think there are some really powerful lessons that come from it about the way we speak to each other, the comforting sounds we can make to each other to reassure, to warn, to comfort, to bring together and keep together God's little flock. And the way that we would save not to come together but to listen and share opinions and, and and be submissive with each other and with those around you know it, the world around is is difficult people I find increasingly are more dominant and want to be in control and will have more of that approach with you, whether that's at work, whether that's neighbours, at, at college, and, and the characteristic of a, of a sheep being 
of listening to opinions, of taking that on board. You know, we can try and put that into practice in our, in our church life, but it, it, it's also increasingly difficult to put that into practice outside of church. Being the peacemaker, loving to live in peace and gentleness with each other, I think is becoming an increasingly challenging thing to do in life. I want to leave us with some words from Paul in uh, in his letter to, to Rome. Romans 12, verse 3. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ we you are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We've got different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervour in serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. So I hope those words give us some comfort from our future to to think about when our Lord returns and some comfort and support to encourage each other during the week to to love and to see the Lord Jesus in each other and to to look forward to that time when, when he comes and asks us, commands us to come and share in his joy together. John Fain's going to close in prayer for us after we've sung together, um, Go Peaceful. Our dry stone wall that we shelter alongside when the winds have driven us and the rain has lashed us. Father God, we thank you for our brother Mark today who's had the bell round his neck and has led us to pasture the sweet grass of your word. Well, Father God, we ask now you'll be with us as we leave this place. For some of us, there's still good grass to have. But for others, not just in this place, but all around this globe, there are brothers and sisters who will have to scratch the rocks and wander great distances just to find a dry piece of grass to feed them and to 
our brothers and sisters, wherever they are, make it known to them this absolute truth, that they can raise their voice even against the wind and bleat and the shepherd will hear. Father God, we thank you for this time you've given us, for all that everybody's done here today to make this pasture taste so sweet. And we ask this blessing on all of us as we leave. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, our brother, our friend, our shepherd. Amen.